Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. We, uh, we've been in a series like for the past few weeks and some of you, you know, I'm sure you've thought of ways to miss a Sunday because you didn't like the sin we we're going to talk about. I, I tried. And, but we were lo- we've been looking at like the seven deadly sins and there's sins that creep up in our lives and some of you felt like that one's me for sure. And others you maybe felt like, oh, that's my wife or my husband's problem. Whatever. I have a few of those, okay? Uh, but maybe you remember the sins. You know, maybe you remember where we've been. You know, the first one was pride. No one has a problem with that one. The next one, Mathieu did a great job, talked about anger. I was like all week, I was paying attention to when I get angry for like things that, you know, maybe weren't as a big deal as I thought. Last week, we talked about envy, when we're envious for things that others have. And this week, we're going to talk about just in a second, a sin that, you know, I don't think I've ever preached on and I never thought about, but it's the sin of sloth, okay? Wow. Okay, we're, we're going to learn together. It's going to be wild. So if you're watching online, you want to get a piece of paper, your Bible ready, we're going to learn. But, but this week, I, I felt that. I felt that one of the prayers that we've been inviting you to pray, so let me remind you, is the prayer of asking God to search you. I'm so good at lying when people ask me questions about what's going on. I'm so good at telling people, well, it's just between me and the Lord, and I'm going to sort it out. Like, you mind your own business, you know. Or we'll say, well, don't judge me. You know, my kids do that now. They're at that age. Dad, are you judging me? I'm like, you better believe it. I don't care what your teacher said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but there's a sense that the truth is, is that all of us need God to search us and to bring to the surface the things that he's like, this right here, you have not surrendered that to me. This right here, this issue here will keep you in bondage until you trust me with that. And each of these sins is kind of an invitation to do that. And actually this week I thought about envy. You know, maybe none of you struggled with envy, so I'm about to help you with that. I had a moment where I struggled with envy when I read about the gift bags that people at the Oscars are getting tonight. Have you heard this? Some of you see this? This is the Oscar gift bag for people tonight at the Oscars. The, basically, the gift bag is seven, seven, 6,000 pounds, which is about 130,000 so American dollars, and includes a plot, of, a plot of land in Scotland. How many, like, sign me up for envy. I'm like, what? How do you get, how do you even get this? I thought I could use a piece of land in Scotland. I'm sure there's a church who needs a pastor in Scotland. I, like, I love you all, but you know, Scotland. Envy creeps up in different ways. It can be funny, but the truth is it's there. And we all have a chance to say, God, we want to pay attention to these sins as we go through them. And part of what we wanted to do is to look at these sins because they move us to the cross. They move us to the freedom that Jesus gives us. They move us to Easter, which we hope you're going to be with us and learn with us and journey with us. And so this morning as I begin, I want to talk about this sin that is called the sin of sloth, okay? And before I talk about it, I want to give you kind of a bit of a warning because it's one of those sins that is dangerous to misunderstand. And to misunderstand this sin is actually to feel more guilt, more bondage, more of a weight than a freedom. 
So I need to say something important about it before I teach about what the sin is, right? Uh, the, the sin of sloth is not just a sin about what it means when we're lazy. You know, I don't know if you think about when you think about sloth, you know, being lazy. Or, you know, I, I thought about this is a sin that, that gets in our hearts and makes us start to say things like, I'm too tired to care. Maybe you've said that. It's one of those sins that's in our hearts that maybe makes us say something like, that's not my problem. All of us have this in us. It's this sin that gets into us and, you know, we just start to focus just on what matters to us and all those other things are not our problem and sloth creeps up in our hearts. And so I want to begin by telling you something important, that Jesus promises us that he loves to be the one who strengthens us when we are tired, okay? Because I'm going to talk about sloth in a minute, but you need to know this part first. And I want to read a passage for you. You're going to see it on the screen of a promise that Jesus makes to us when we think about the weight and the pressures of this world. This is what he says. You'll see it on the screen. Some of you know this passage really well. It says this. Come to me, Jesus speaking, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful promises of Jesus. If you're tired today and overwhelmed with life and pressures and anxieties and worries, whatever that is, if you're watching online and you're like, oh, Pastor Dom, I'm, you have no idea. May this just, just part set you free. I have this, this place in my, in my house where I, I read or I study when I'm working on a sermon. I, sometimes I pray when it's quiet, sometimes. And, the, and there's two chairs. So I sit in a chair and there's an empty chair. And one of the habits I've tried to develop is when I sit in that chair and I feel the weight of the world, I just sit down and I picture that Jesus is sitting in that chair. And I just wait. And I just think about what he would say to me in that moment. And I have these moments where these passages come to me and I think about him just saying like, shh, just be quiet. It's going to be okay. Maybe you need that. Remember, this is the promise of God who loves to give us his rest and his peace, right? But there's a sin that comes and creeps around that makes us confuse his rest with when we're tired because we do dumb things, okay? That's a totally different problem. And one of the things I want you to see, if you're taking notes and you, you want to remember this, you know, that the promise of this passage is that Jesus says there's a rest for his people who are open to doing what? To taking on his yoke. You, if you're not a farmer, you might not know what that uh, word means. It doesn't mean egg yoke, you know. I would think that I'm a yoke, Jesus, what, eggs? What is this about? A yoke is to attach yourself to an animal. And in, in the farming world, the, uh, animals were yoked together because they were stronger when they were yoked together. So Jesus uses this image by saying, you make sure that you are yoked to me. That you're attached to me, that if, if, if I walk there, you walk where Jesus walks. If Jesus says, we're going there, you're like, we're going there. Like, you're yoked to him. And trust me, if you were yoked to Jesus, you probably got tired. He's like, tomorrow we're in Galilee. Tomorrow we're not. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired, right? And what Jesus is saying is that there's a rest for those who also carry his responsibility. This is an important thing. That we only get the rest of God when we care about the responsibilities of God. Now, we live in a world that can use this passage and be like, oh, I'm just tired. I'm not into God's, I'm just too busy, too busy to do stuff. That's not what this passage means. This passage is a passage that reminds us, are we people who care 
about the things around us that matter to God, and that as we do that, his rest is available to us in those moments. I'm prone, like anyone else, to want God's rest and none of the responsibility. All the time. I'm like, oh, just a blessing. Or just God, like, help me to know that you're there. And, and there's a part of that God's like, yeah, there is that there. But carry the responsibility as well with me now. And so let's talk about the sin of sloth in that context. I gave you all the nice stuff now. Now it gets painful, okay? So uh, sloth, when I, I started studying this and I thought, I don't think I've ever preached on sloth. It's such a tricky word. I, I quickly thought of an animal. How many of you thought of like the cute sloth like in, in the zoo? Like, and I have a picture, maybe you want to buy one of these. If you're animal people, I don't know. There's people in church with chickens. I know, don't even ask me. Like dogs, turtles, I don't know. Maybe you want to get one of these. You need one of these. And I was like, cool. I'm like, let's have them maybe again. I don't, I don't think you can. I think they're dangerous, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but a sloth, and you think of lazy, someone who's slow, slothful. And, and the Bible kind of talks about this word not just in a lazy way. So try not to think about it of just like being tired or having a busy weekend or a stressful week at work. It's not about that. I want to show you what the word sloth means by, by reading a, a proverb for you and see how we can unpack what this word means in the Bible. So I'm going to tell you some words. You're going to learn some words today. If you want to write stuff down, you can. If you want to take some notes. If you're disciplined enough to take your phone to write stuff in there and not like, I'm checking my email. Use your phone. If you're not, well, leave your phone in the car. So uh, one of the things we want to learn is what does the Bible say when it invites us to pay attention to this sin? This sin that's there. And, and in a few minutes, I'm going to show you how Jesus will address this problem. And, and here's a proverb that maybe I'll read it, and maybe you'll see how sloth makes sense in a bigger picture. It says this in the proverb. It says, it says a sluggard or a lazy person, right? A sluggard is the, in the King James Bible, or a lazy person, do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. This is one of the first places in using the, the kind of agricultural images of the Bible to explain this idea of sloth. Sloth is not just someone who's lazy, but it's someone who doesn't prepare in a way where they're discerning of the time that they're in. Meaning if you don't plant seeds now, the harvest won't come. It's actually being so disoriented and overwhelmed with other issues that God's timing, when God maybe is doing in a moment, is not in, on your radar. It's not your problem, or you're just too tired to care about those things. I thought about the sin, and if you want to write something down, this might help you. Sloth is one of those sins where the devil doesn't have to make us do anything bad. He just has to make us tired. Some of you are falling asleep right now as I'm preaching. You know why? Because you just stayed up late last night. And all it would take to you to say, I'm deciding to grow and to learn tomorrow, so I'm going to bed early. You see? So it's not really a sin yet, but it's a setup for you being distracted. Jesus will tell his disciples, hey, you're going to have to stay awake now. I need you to pray. And they're like, like, out, like what are you doing? Well, is it a sin to be tired? Of course not. We're all tired. Part of our humanness is normal to be tired. Is it a sin for our tiredness because we're focused on so many other things that don't make us attentive to the ways of God? A sin? Yes. That is what sloth does. It makes us unaware of the things that we should be giving our attention to and awareness to. And after a while, we start to become indifferent to the things of God. This is how a Hebrew word in the Hebrew Bible, and there's so many warnings of this. People who don't prepare at this time are shocked that there's nothing at that time. They're just unaware of what they need to be attentive to, and then they get tired. So tired. Oh, 
And you read that Jesus saying, yes, that's wonderful. I have a rest for you, but you're tired because you're a clown. Is that too edgy today? That's, it's that simple. Like your life is in disorder. And when God opens a door for you to step in and serve or care or help, you're like, I'm just too tired. And it sounds so great to us that we're just tired. Because in our culture, tired people is the name for people who are just so super busy. They're important people. You're like, I can't, I'm too tired, I just can't do it. The EHS course deals with some of that. It's going to be great, okay? But this is for all of us. This is for every single one of us to pay attention to this. To this moment where Jesus is calling us to not let sloth begin to take hold of our hearts. That tiredness makes us unattentive to the ways of God. Let me give you a simple illustration that might help you understand this before I show you how Jesus talks about sloth, okay? Think about your kids if you have kids, if you don't have kids, this illustration will make you not want to have kids. So, eh, I'm kidding, but, but imagine your kids are studying for an exam. They're in their room, they're at the table, they're making a mess, they're studying for their math exam, they're, do, they're studying, you're looking at them, and as a parent, you, you're so proud. You're like, my kid's mathematician, I love it. You know, they're just studying, you, you're, you're happy that they're learning to be responsible, you don't have to yell at them, did you study, did you study, did you study, did you study, any parents do that? No? Okay. My problem. Uh, so all these things. They, they study and they get back from school and they're kind of sad, you know. You're like, how was your math test? They're like, uh, it, wasn't, it was, you know, it was okay, but I didn't really do that good on my science test. And you're like, what do you mean? You're like, well, I, you know, I made a mistake and I wasn't really organized and really it was my science test I had tomorrow, not my math test. You're like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know right away, you can't tell them that they're lazy because you're like, oh, you were studying all night but you didn't realize that you got zero on your science test because you weren't paying attention. You see the difference? It's like you're not aware of what has to happen next, and the devil uses that humanity in us to come and to make us indifferent to the things of God. This is one of those sins that creeps in our hearts, and we get to the point where the world and the pressures of this world are so disorienting. And you can think of distractions, disorientation, wrong choices, tired, all these things, they creep up and they turn into this sin that we call sloth. One of the best ways to remember it is this an indifference to care about the things that God has set in place for you to do. There are some things that God has set in place for you to do. There's some things that God has set in place for me to do. And one day, God's not going to ask you if you were me. He's going to ask you if you were you. And did you do the things that he had put before you to do? If we understand this sin well and if we pay attention to it, it is one of the greatest gifts in our lives to know and to experience that our lives have a purpose and that God uses our lives and gives our lives purpose when we find the meaning of how God is using us in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. This is one of the greatest gifts that we can give even to our kids. To say, God, has given you a unique purpose, and you're going to explore that as you find your gifts, as you find a job, as you grow. And this is part of what sloth does. It steals the joy of knowing that our lives have a purpose. It steals the joy in us of knowing that God has given us things that he wants us to put our hands to, to serve with, to love him with, to help others with. It robs us of that joy. And after a while, you know what happens? We just get tired so tired it's too much i mean and god's god he could just do it himself right how many of you are going to use that excuse on god one day i'm going to try yeah but you were god you know my heart right you knew i was tired 
And, and he's going to, of course, I made you with limits, but I had these opportunities for you to experience my power, my grace in your life, for you to see people being set free because that would encourage you in your life. And what happened? Each of us have a moment where sloth and these things that just overwhelm us. So maybe to begin, you might need some time this week to just take a look at your life and say, are you prone to having too many things going on that keep you from prioritizing the things of God? And I don't just mean showing up at church. I just mean God using you where you are. That you're busy so often that if your kids need you to slow down, if your, your wife or your husband need you a moment where you're like, hey, we need to pray together. Something's going on here. That we just can't. We're just, I'm, I'm working. Now, don't you know I'm working? I heard that my whole life. Like it's the go-to line, right? But dad or mom or, you know, I, I just needed someone to pray with me. But I was working! It's a, big, it's a hard comeback, right? Because you're like, working is such a good thing. <laughs> Sleeping is such a good thing. But they become things that we use and we're disoriented and we don't know how to be present to the things of God. Jesus makes this issue such an important issue that he addresses it in one of his last times with his disciples before he goes to the cross. If you have your Bible, you want to turn to John chapter 15, and, and we've talked about this before. John chapter 14 to John chapter 17, we're going to look at 15, 14 to 17 are kind of, 16, 17, are, are something often called as the upper room discussion or the upper room discourse. In your Bible, you might, if you have a Bible with a commentary, it'll tell you that, right? And it's basically a time where Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, likely in an upper room as he prepares them before he goes to the cross. So it's like kind of really, really tight. It's really intimate. It's kind of like, you know, not Bell Center, but Place Bell. You know, it's just like, it's a smaller event. It's like, hey, we're right here. We're right here. Pay attention. Listen. You know, and Jesus is going to start to teach them. And he's going to start to bring up these important themes about the things that he has in store for them to do. And they're like confused because they're like, Jesus, what do you mean? We, we think you're saying that you're leaving. He's like, I kind of am. And we think you're saying that people are going to take you and they're going to crucify you. I'm saying that too, guys. <laughs> get ready. You know, but before he does that, he's like, but I have to tell you something more beautiful. Don't get distracted by those moments. Don't get discouraged when that happens. I want to tell you something else about this relationship that I've developed with you. And I want to read this to you. And I want to explain to you how Jesus brings something to our attention that sets us free from sloth. That's what he says. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I mean, some of you maybe have heard this passage, you've, you've kind of read the, the verses. And it's, it's a beautiful passage, and if you know nothing about farming, you get lost. Because you're like, I don't think I know much about pruning or vine. Maybe if you like wine. You're like, oh, I'm, into, I'm awake. I'm awake. Jesus talking about wine? Okay. He's talking about these vines and these branches. And he uses this word that for many of us is hard to understand. He uses the word pruning. And he says to his disciples, says to us, says, you understand that there's some amazing things that are going to grow out of your life as your life is connected to me, as your life is connected to the things I showed you that I did. And he says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches, and those branches are connected to me, and he talks about the Father. The Father is the gardener. What a beautiful picture, you know, of a gardener who comes and tends, you know, plants. We've been trying this winter to have plants in our house during the winter, and, and a few weeks ago, there's one of the plants that's starting to die, and obviously, I did what all 
I blame my wife. I'm like, hun, what's going on? Like, you let the plant die? And she's like, when was, my, when was it my job to care for the plant? I'm like, well, I'm sure there's a verse in the Bible about this. Yeah. Well, it's always it's someone else to take care of something, right? And she's like, listen to me. There's some fruit, he uses this beautiful, that has to grow, and you have to pay attention to this. You have to pay attention to what it's like that there's fruit that's growing, and so beautiful, Jesus says, and God prunes us so that what? So that more fruit would grow. You know, I always remember thinking of pruning as, be, as being in trouble. Well, the Lord's going to prune you, and you never know. Next thing you know, you'll feel like what it's like hot when you're sleeping, because that's what hell is like. I heard, all, uh, trust me, I did enough camps to hear things around it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to rip my hair out. Pruning is a sign of God's grace. Pruning is God saying, hey, you've tasted what it's like for some fruit to bubble up in your life, but you need to feel the fullness of God's blessing on your life. So pay attention to when God prunes you. And it's this beautiful image of Jesus saying that as you're connected to me, your life will stir and will grow different types of fruit. The word fruit can mean a lot of different things in the Bible. Sometimes it refers to just the blessing of seeing other people's lives transformed. Sometimes the word fruit actually just means kids, having a family, because in the Bible, the blessing of kids was the blessing of God's fruit on his people. And so God says to us that each of us, think of a moment in your life where there was fruit growing in your life. If you need help, most of the time, it's when you first became a Christian. And if you've never become a Christian yet, or you've never said yes to Jesus, we want to talk to you about what that means. Right? It's that moment where you feel like your life now matters in a completely different way. And if you don't learn that, you say yes to Jesus, and then you go back to living your life the way you used to live it, and every so often you show up at church, and nobody cares. And everybody who sees it, like, that's so hypocritical. Like, where we need to remember that there was a time when we cared that God was using our lives and fruit was emerging in our lives. We were thinking about other people in a different way. We paid attention to sin that was like, why, why, do I, why am I doing this? Why have I not surrendered this to God? Right? And so Jesus says, listen, God loves you so much that he wants you to experience the fullness of your life being anchored in him. So God will prune you. Parts of your life is he's going to help you pay attention to maybe the sin of sloth, to the things that distract you from being people who care about the fruits in your life and the ways of God. What are those things? If you made a list, what are those things? If you're learning to study your Bible, you'll likely do this, and I'll tell you a little secret, right? When you're reading your Bible, if you read this section of John 15 and you go right to the bottom, Jesus will, through the gospel, will explain a bit more about what the fruit is meant to do. So if you're like, oh, what does fruit look like, right? Let me just read it in verse 8. It's really powerful. Jesus will say this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So there's something about this fruit that as it grows in us, right, it makes it more clear to people that we are disciples of Jesus. And it also tells us that the fruit that is growing out of our lives doesn't bring glory to us. It's meant to bring glory to us. To God the Father. Now, if what I'm saying to you right now doesn't matter to you at all, you probably have to deal with the sin of sloth in your life. If you're like, I don't care about the fruit of my life, I don't, I don't even know what the glory of the Father means. Who cares? Why are we even in church? I'm too 
tired. I'm so tired. My kids, I'm tired. I was at the hospital. I'm just tired. Let's just pray and go home. It's getting too, you see how easy? It just, Jesus like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going home. And I don't care that you're tired. You are made to experience the power of a fruitful life so that God the Father is glorified. And if you want to know what that looks like, Jesus says, look at me. I lived a life for you that set you on a trajectory to be my disciples. To care about living in a way where you trusted me with everything. And what, what Jesus does, he's the great example of this, he looks for people, which are his disciples, who don't know God yet in a way that they need to. And he says, hey, you're a fisherman, you should follow me. You, you should follow me. You should be part of this. And when sloth grips us in a powerful way, I, I just want to, if you want to write anything down, I want you to write this down. When sloth grips our heart, we confuse that to be following Jesus and to be attached to him as divine is to have a heart that Jesus had as a missionary for others, as someone who paid attention to others. This is a quote. You can go to the quote. And I just want to read this for you. It might help. While you might not have a missionary calling, sloth is the sin that keeps us from cultivating a missionary heart. My whole life, I've been with people who are like, oh, it's so great that someone's going on the missions field. Maybe you've heard that word and it gives you the heebie-jeebies, I'm sorry. You know, they say, oh, they're going to go, oh, to Africa, oh, that's great. Like we have all these great stories of missionaries, you know, like, oh, they're going to, and then you read a story. If you don't believe me, just think about how you act when you see pictures of the Ukraine. Oh, it'd be so great to go there, help the people. Be so, like, but somebody else will go, you know, we'll just give some money. Right? So easy. Instead of saying, no, no, you might not go. It's not your calling to go. It's your calling to be here. But do you have a missionary heart for where you are? Do you care where you are that God wants your life to have so much purpose that fruit comes to the surface in such a way that it glorifies God the Father? Do you want that? When you start to want that consistently, something will happen. You will be set free from thinking that your purpose in life will come just when you get a better job. You will be set free from thinking that your purpose in life will come just when you, you have a bit more money. But your purpose in life comes because you understand your life is connected to the things of God. And when that links together, all the money in the world and all the blessings that are good things, by the way, that God blesses, they don't define you and who you are. The fact that you live as someone whose life is connected to the vine and fruit emerges and that, that life links to other people. And you know what? Jesus knows that there's some people who are listening and who might read this later who maybe don't believe him. Just think in a room this big. How many of you are like, whatever, I hope Don prays and we can go home soon, right? Or maybe you're, you're watching online and you're getting what? Tired. Tired. How long is Don? Let's hit the X button at the top here so we're done. This is what Jesus says, and it's perfect that Jesus does. He almost gets you just when you're about to be like, Jesus, we got enough. He says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. How many of you would think at that point, no matter how tired you're getting, you'd be like, okay, okay, I heard fire and burning. I heard that right now. I'm here. What, what do we need to do, Jesus? Jesus, say it again. We can write that. John, somebody write this down. Somebody write that down. Right away. It's like Jesus is like, you think, we're ki- you think this is a joke? 
You think I'm playing around? All of your life will only make sense when you get this. And Jesus has this beautiful way to say, there's going to be other fruits. You're going to have other things you're going to do. And this, is not, this doesn't mean that there's not good things that we're going to do that matter to God. But he's saying the things that we do with our lives, do we look for ways for them to be connected to the fruit that points people to Jesus? Do we look for a way for being a good teacher to say, I'm not a good teacher so I get a good review. I'm a good teacher because the fruit of being a good teacher will help me maybe help someone understand God's love for me in a conversation, in a moment. You see the difference? How all of your life, whatever you do for a living, changes when you see your life connected to the vine. It's connected to something so much bigger than just, I better do what's on my job description. I better do what my employer. No, no, it's bigger than that. And Jesus is like, because all of the other things that you're doing, that you might think are so important, because remember, we're busy and we're, those things are really like, eventually, things that get burned with no meaning. One of the most painful things you and I will experience in our lives is realizing too late that we sacrificed our lives for things that will never matter. It's the worst feeling. As a pastor, I've sat down with a lot of people who said goodbye to their families. There was nothing there. Who worked so hard, work and this and that, and there was nothing. It's gone. They left their kids money. They left their kids this. They left their kids that. It's just like faded away. Jesus is like, I, like, I warned you. I warned you, think of your lives as so much more than that, but sloth got in your heart and you were distracted by so many things and you just got tired. It was a lot. We just, I don't know, we got distracted. It was, uh, we, we didn't do anything bad because we were working hard. I was, you, do that, you did, but did you do the things I asked you to do? Did you see your life as a life which was going to bear fruit the way Jesus showed you that your life should bear fruit? Did you live a life where your life was bearing fruit so that people were curious about the glory of God because you're here? Did you do that? I'm telling you the truth. I don't always do that because sloth grips me as much as it grips you. I, w- I want to wrap up, and I, I'm going to wrap up by, by doing something that I don't usually do in a sermon. Is I want to give you an exercise to do this week. And it's an exercise that I did a a while ago, and I've done it recently, and I, I want to give you this exercise because it's a really tangible way to deal with this problem. If there's one way that brings sloth to the surface in such a precise way is if you know that you're dying. If somebody tells you that you're dying in two weeks, trust me, your life is going to get in order fast. It's automatic that we think two weeks, what are the things I need to do? And there's something about the season of Lent, if you, you've been with us, you know this, That Lent begins by us remembering that from ashes we have come and to ashes we shall return. It's one of the great gifts of the church, by the way. The Bible talks about this in so many ways. Father, give us a heart of wisdom that we would number our days. There's great wisdom in knowing that you and I are not going to be here much longer. But the kingdom and glory of God will outlive you, trust me. And so one of the things that I've done in the past is I've thought about my life and I've thought about being a pastor and a father and a husband and a friend. And I thought about this exercise that for some of you is going to be like, no, I don't want to think about anything negative. Well, too bad. What would it look like for you to maybe write down the things that people would say about you when you're gone? What do you hope they say? So I'm going to be really, like, I'm going to be really, really vulnerable here. Okay, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to give you, I'm going to give you my list. 
Some of you don't have a list. You can take some things from my list and make it put on your list. But here's a list that I made. You can go to just a list. Things said at my funeral. These are things I hope people say. And maybe you'll look at this and you're like, I made this list. Dom was honest and fair with people. So for you, I'm like, that's like a person of integrity. You know, so one of you write this down and make sure you say this at my funeral, okay? What's so funny? I am, I am out of those things. I cared and I provided for my family. Uh, that's so important. Like I grew up in a home where you don't provide for your family, you're better off dead. Like it was like serious. So I'm like, you know, I, I want to I do that well. He made time for others. He listened and he gave. I, I'm, I'm doing those things. He left the world a better place. Oh, that's beautiful. I've been to a lot of funerals. People say that. I, I love that. They left the world a better place. Hey, you heard that before? Yeah? You're like, well, tell us how. No, I don't say that. I don't say that. I made this list years ago. I, I, I've made this list, and I looked at this, and, and I looked at this. How many of you think this is a good list? How many of you be like, I hope people say this about me at my funeral, right? I, you, can, this, you can have this list. But here's a problem, and a deep moment of conviction that I felt you do not have to be a Christian to make this list. Every single person in the world will make a list like this. And I'm like, I remember seeing this and thinking, is this the fruit of my life having been a disciple of Jesus? Is this my, what people will say about me? Are you kidding me? My kids tell me not to yell when I preach. I'm sorry if you're watching. And so over the years, I made a new list. And I made a list thinking about John 17, John 15 to 17. A list that would say, these are beautiful things. These are great things. But they're not things that are shaped by a person whose life was looking to be filled with the fruit that was overflowing because I cared about the glory of God. Because I cared about other people saying yes to the ways of Jesus. Because he needed to correct slothfulness in me that didn't just distract me to do these wonderful things. And I got tired and lazy and these are such good things. But I was just tired for other things. This is my other list. And I'm, I'm just going to read it for you. I think that these are the things of a life, fruitful life, at my funeral maybe. He gave himself fully to the ways of Jesus. His life made others want to put their trust in God. Dom lived with a conviction that earthly treasure did not compare to God's promises. He surrendered. I tried to put daily in there. I could Daily to the Holy Spirit in a way that made others want to be disciples of Jesus. Others were blessed because Dom bore much fruit in his life. You know, I really struggled to put this slide together and to share this with you. Because now, like you guys kind of know whether I'm going to do these things. My kids will say, Dad, these are the things you want to live for? You're like, yeah, these are the things. One day Jesus is going to ask me about these things. But I wanted to do it because you need a list. And this is your exercise this week. Make a list. Read John 15. Read it and think about the fruit that God says he wants to bubble up and begin to grow. It doesn't grow right away. Fruit takes time. But there's a bit of fruit there. You're more concerned than ever before to grow in understanding the Bible. You're more concerned than ever before to sacrificing or, or stepping out and using your gifts. And ask God to prune you. Ask God to correct things and 
Say, God, is there sloth in my life? Am I overwhelmed about everything that I, I, I don't pay attention to anything that has to do with your ways? It doesn't mean just putting another thing on your list, doing more at church, helping. No, no, it's not that. There's fruit that is growing where God has placed you. And Jesus will help you to see that. And as we do this, other people will be like, I never thought of this. Like, what do you mean that there's a way of living that brings glory to God that's so much bigger than just me or you? It's a simple exercise. I don't give you homework a lot, but it's a great exercise. You know what I encourage you to do? Something I do, do it consistently. Every so often, go back and say, hey, hey am, I, am, I, am I gonna live this way? As you stand, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna read just the last thing that Jesus says to encourage you as we close. This is what Jesus says to us. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you, you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. If you're wondering what fruit looks like and where it begins, is a relentless commitment to love each other. To practice loving each other. To work at loving each other. Forgiving one another and growing in this way. And the world is looking for people who do this. You know why? Not because it's a nice thing to do. Not because it makes us look nice, but because it glorifies Jesus our Lord. This is not my idea. This wasn't your idea. This is Jesus' idea. And he says, when we commit to dealing with this sin of sloth, of distraction, of worry, lay, all these other things, it would be very hard to pray, to ask God anything in his name and that he would give it to you. Because that verse is in line with a person who wants a life to be fruitful. And when you want that, ask anything in Jesus' name and he'll give it to you. Let's just pray. Jesus, you modeled for us obedience and faithfulness in a way that we are those who are blessed by the fruit of your sacrifice. Many of us have heard these sermons our whole lives and have taken for granted what it means that you are a God who left us with a responsibility to celebrate and to see more fruit growing. So today we just ask that you would do some pruning in our lives, that you would correct things in our lives that are even good things, but there are things that are distracting us. There are things that the devil gets a hold of where we get tired and overwhelmed and forget that our life has a purpose so much bigger than just some of the things we, we worry about in this world. I pray that today you would do something deep in us and make us people who would reflect on the things we want to do as we remember that our days too are numbered. As we think about the season of Lent and as we move closer to the cross, Jesus, help us to be those who are faithful and committed to be those who live filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to bear fruit that will last, that gives glory to the Father the way you taught us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, this week, 
Don't get tired on stupid things. We love you guys. If you're a ministry partner, we'll see you Saturday. Don't be tired. God bless everyone. See you soon.